You're listening to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. This is episode number five, recorded in June 2011. Welcome to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. My name is Dave Stahoviak. And my name is Sandra Morgan. And this is the show where we empower you to study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference in ending human trafficking. Glad to be back with you again, Sandy. Hi, Dave. It's good to be here. I am so excited to talk about the Trafficking in Persons Report. This is a report that the Office to Monitor and Combat Trafficking in Persons produces annually, since the first Trafficking Victims Protection Act was passed in 2000. And it is amazing. It has grown so that it covers 175 countries and helps us find and raise global awareness so that we spur countries to take effective action to counter trafficking, to counter modern-day slavery. So today's topic is really uh, going to look at exploring this report, which Uh, Did it just come out or just about to come out? It's due out June 2011, so any day now. Okay, great. So we'll learn a little bit more about what this report's about and what specifically, um, how this report adds adds value to the, uh, you know, the the global fight against human trafficking. And if this report or anything else we talk about today is something you'd like to know more about, be sure to send us some feedback or even uh, send us an audio uh, voicemail And we'd be happy to include your comments on uh, an upcoming show and answer your questions. And the best way to do that, there's actually two ways to do that. One is to call us and you can reach us at the Global Center for Women and Justice at Vanguard University. And that number is 714-556-3610. And Sandy's office is at extension 2242. The other great way to reach us is via email. And Sandy, that address? GCWJ. Global Center for Women and Justice at vanguard.edu, gcwj at vanguard.edu. And if you're looking for the website to Sandy's office at Vanguard, that's actually very easy to get to as well. It's just gcwj.vanguard.edu, and you can find a number a number of resources and information about human trafficking and some of the other advocacy that the center is working on as well. And I should mention before we get started, Sandy, we uh, did get some uh, feedback already from uh, some of the past episodes. And uh, in particular, we received a comment from Bruce in Pennsylvania. So if you're listening, we are actually working on your answer. So we will be answering that on an upcoming show. Sandy's doing some research right now. So thanks again for everyone who's already reached out to us about the podcast. We're uh, excited to be uh, getting feedback and, uh, and hearing from you all. So we look forward to continuing the conversation as uh, the weeks and months go on and we continue to explore future episodes. And by the way, we should mention if you have suggestions for things you'd like us to cover, we're also open to that too. Exactly. Exactly. We want to be a good resource so that you have the opportunity to study the issues and know what to say and know what to do Which to make bring, a difference. Yeah. Which brings us to our topic today, which is um, looking at the trafficking in persons report that is put out by the state department and you had mentioned a little bit about the report already sandy could could you for those of us who aren't familiar and i'm aware that there is a report and i've seen it before but that's about the extent of my knowledge of of this and and even um 
how the State Department is involved in really ending human trafficking. And, uh, and of course, we're talking about the U.S. State Department. So I was wondering if you could, um, even before we talk about the report in detail, for those of us who may not be very familiar, how what type of structure and, and resources does the U.S. State Department have in place to um, just at a high level to um, really combat trafficking? Well, this is part of a, a law that Congress passed in 2000 called the Trafficking Victims Protection Act. And by law, the Department of State is required to submit to the U.S. Congress a report on foreign government's efforts to eliminate severe forms of trafficking in persons. So this report is generated in order to fulfill that requirement. And as the report has developed over the years, it's gone from um, a brief report with paragraphs to a very lengthy report. And the latest version that I have in front of me is over 350 pages. So it's very extensive. And in the 2010 report, which was announced and um, released by Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, then um, it covered 175 countries now, including the United States. In the past, we did not include ourselves, but now we do. And this is an important uh, upgrade in the report as well, because if we're going to be evaluating efforts, we need to include our own efforts in that report. I'd like to learn more about that, Sandy, as to why we are included now and we weren't before. But even before we get there, could could you give us an overview of what this report speaks to and what type of information is is uh, provided by the government? Well, I think um, it really speaks to one of our main goals of studying the issues. We can't really strategize how to end human trafficking because it's a global phenomenon unless we understand where it's happening, why it's happening, really study what's happening. So by getting these reports from all these different countries and evaluating where they are in the battle, we begin to have um, a baseline for effective actions to counter the trafficking of persons. That means that we're going to find out what they're doing as a government to legislate um, so that we have laws in place in order to prosecute perpetrators. Um, We want to know how well that um, people are able to care for possible victims and what kind of efforts are happening with prevention. So in the past, we followed the three P's of prevention, protection, and prosecution. In the 2010 report, we added partnership, which is a critical aspect of building collaboration globally so that we have a better safety net and can begin to see human trafficking, modern day slavery end. The, um, the evaluation tool that's used is a three-tier process. And the, um, the tier levels, tier one, tier two, and tier three, were placed in uh, practice with the 2000. And eventually, we added a third category that is kind of halfway between tier two and tier three called the tier two watch list. And so these tiers, are they, what exactly are they evaluating? Are they evaluating certain areas of the world, countries, geographic areas? Each country will get a tier um, evaluation. So Mm. for instance, tier one, those are countries whose governments fully comply with the Trafficking Victims Protection Act minimum standards. 
tier two countries are governments that do not fully comply. However, they're making significant efforts to bring themselves into compliance with those standards. The the tier two watch list are those governments that do not fully comply, but are making significant efforts and a the absolute number of victims of severe forms of trafficking is significant or significantly increasing, or there is a failure to provide evidence of increasing efforts to combat severe forms, or the determination that a country is making efforts to bring themselves into compliance and is based on the commitments of that country to take future steps during the um, next calendar year. Those are watch lists. Tier three are the governments that do not comply with the minimum standards and are not making significant efforts. So for instance, in my own personal experience living in Greece, um, as we ran up close to the Olympics, there was a great desire to um, come on board and be in compliance globally with the Trafficking Victims Protection Act. And consequently, legislation was passed in in the Greek parliament that met the same standard so that Greece was then tier two. So it went from tier three to tier two. And this was part of um, of a global effort. And the Trafficking Vict- Victims Protection Act was a big piece of urging and motivating that um, action. So how does this break down as far as are most countries in a tier one or tier two? Or do you have a, a feel for that in the recent reports, Sandy? Well, the, um, the majority of countries are in the Tier 2 level. Tier 3, we have um, some significant problems in places like um, North Korea, Niger, in the Sudan. Um, you can easily go online and get a, an entire list of the countries and where they are. Um, tier 1 placements are very much what you would expect from the more Western developed world, Australia, Finland, um, most of Europe. So tier tier one is really a places where we look for other people that are coming on board to help us in places where we are having problems more from the source countries. So it tends to be tier one countries tend to be destination countries mm. and um, are in a more affluent um, part of the world. So just because a country has a tier one status doesn't mean that there's not work to be done around ending human trafficking in those places. It just means, it, it, it literally just means what you said as far as what the government policies are within that particular country. Exactly. And in fact, if you want a great example, it's the United States report, which shows the number of prosecutions, which is increasing, and that's a good thing. And what kind of uh, services are available for victims and what kind of preventions we're initiating and how our partnerships are growing. But we know that we have a significant human trafficking problem in the United States. Even though we're a tier one country. Exactly. Hmm. Interesting. How is the information then then used from the report, Sandy? And who are people that watch this? And then what? how does this inform decisions or policy or research? Well, I think, I think a lot of different kinds of people use these reports. Um, first of all, it's used in the State Department. So um, the embassies and consulates in those countries um, help generate these reports, and consequently, they are following up on relationships in that country. Then um, at another level, NGOs, international NGOs, are very 
much a part of generating the report and using the report. And then um, for students particularly, and you know that students are close to my heart, I, yeah. this is a great resource for doing research as a place to begin to figure out what's happening in a country that you might be particularly interested in. It, um, it doesn't give you the full picture, but it gives you the starting place so that you can begin to do more in-depth study. And you'll find that um, in one country, you may find that the report shows that poverty is one of the big pull factors. And you may find that um, gender discrimination is another reason for um, higher levels of trafficking of girls or different issues like that. And then you can follow up and do more research and find out what are the ways that we can best address those issues. Hmm. When did this report first start? In 2000. So there online, you can go back and research all 11 reports that are up there right now. And when the new report is released, um, they will release it in a PDF format that anybody can download hmm. at no charge. What, um, I know, Sandy, you, you're much, you've been very savvy on reading and following up on, on the, the trends in uh, human trafficking over those 10, 11 years and even prior to that. What what changes has the State Department seen as far as the data that's coming in and the reporting over that last 10, 11 years? Are there any trends that, that we're seeing? I think, I think that we're seeing um, a greater response in compliance with meeting the minimum standards from an international perspective. Um, and we are definitely sensing that there is a growing um, university response because mm-hmm. educating the next generation to be able to do to do this. Uh, as I talk to graduate students who have just finished international affairs courses and things like that, um, this is a high item on their agenda. They want to address modern day slavery from a policy level. And um, this report helps them to begin to see where they want to direct their efforts. And different um, students come to us with backgrounds in um, Hispanic um, international affairs, others with more Middle Eastern, some with African. And this helps them fine tune the direction that they're going to go and how to prepare themselves. Um, I do find that students are very interested in the international business and international law aspects of this, Mm -hmm. which is really important and critical to um, how to take the information in this report and find ways to act on it that will have lasting impact. And it's interesting how even at at the youngest level, you can take this report and find ways to teach on why human trafficking happens. So you can begin to do demand reduction prevention strategies. For instance, when um, when the Live to Free students were starting to go out into the high schools, it was a 2007 trafficking in persons report that gave them the information they needed to be able, and the tools really, to begin to speak um, articul- and articulate intelligently why they were against modern day slavery. Hmm. And in that report, they um, they reported that on the west coast of Africa, 284,000 children were slaves on cocoa plantations just so we can have cheap chocolate. Well, that's an outrage, especially 
to a child who looks at the picture of this child and says, that could be me, except I was born here. Yeah. And I think it's that kind of personal identification with why, why it happens and my role in it so that we can see the end come to pass. Um, as the kids begin to talk between each other and began to understand that their choices in purchasing chocolate determined the fate for a child on another continent. That was that was life transforming. And it's that kind of information that's in this incredible report. And we had talked about that on a previous episode. I believe it was episode two that we talked in detail about some of the issues around that and, and, and particularly with chocolate. And uh, it, it's really amazing with some very foundational information that's readily available, we can make some choices that really do help to combat this worldwide issue. It's also a great baseline if you're interested in a particular aspect of human trafficking. For instance, um, I often get questions about sex tourism. This report identifies what that is and how we fight that internationally and how um, our U.S. law reaches beyond our own borders so that if you're an American tourist going to um, a destination that is a sex tourist destination, your purpose is to purchase children for um, commercial sex, then our laws reach across those borders and um, we're able to prosecute and sentence people to prison federally. I was just curious how easy this was to access as we were talking here, and I've gone online on the State Department website, and uh, you can get to this report in about two or three clicks here. Exactly. So, you want to um, give us the web page? Yeah. If you go to state.gov, uh, that's state.gov, that takes you to the U.S. State Department homepage. And then there's a button on the top of that page that says policy issues. And if you hover over that button, you will see a link to trafficking in persons toward the bottom of that dropdown. And that, that page then, the Office to Monitor and Combat Trafficking in Persons, has a link right to the report. I'm assuming this is last year, so it looks like 2010. And you can click on that and uh, download it directly. And there's a link to actually every year's report on here. And you mentioned it's uh, last year's was uh, well over 300 pages, Sandy. If someone was looking at this for the first time, where would you recommend that they start? I think the beginning of the report lays a good foundation for what human trafficking is. It defines um, severe forms of trafficking as sex trafficking and labor trafficking. It will give you um, a good look at different types of trafficking. For instance, in the 2010 report, it discusses indentured labor and forced labor and um, the various different kinds of the different characters, I think is what I really want to say, of trafficking. Modern day slavery doesn't look the same everywhere. And domestic servitude is a prime example of that. You may walk by someone in your local grocery store that is an indentured servant in domestic slavery and never actually identify them as a victim of modern day trafficking right here in America. But that's a scenario that we've seen over and over and over again. We, um, have one survivor advocate here in Orange County who describes her slavery as living in a golden bird cage because mm. she lived in a beautiful home, but she was a slave. 
She took care of the family, the children, and the house 24-7. She was a domestic slave. It's amazing. Uh, you know, I, each time we talk about these stories, and uh, particularly the stories here that are local to us, Sandy, I'm, it's always uh, amazing how close to home this many of these issues do, do come very close to home. Another wonderful part of the um, trafficking in persons report is the identification of um, some of the policy things that we can begin to address with relationship to human trafficking in other countries. And um, looking, for instance, in the 2010 report, there is a page with 10 troubling governmental practices. You can spend hours just going through those practices. We expect to have in the 2011 report even more in-depth analysis of policy and how we can begin to use our international relationships to build a better safety net for um, at-risk victims. This brings up uh, something we mentioned a few minutes ago, was the U.S. being included in this report for the first time last year. And uh, I'm curious, why was the U.S. not included in the previous years of the report, and is there a reason it's now included? Well, I think the reason that is now included is people started asking, why aren't we um, evaluating ourselves? Mm. But traditionally, the State Department has been outward focused out and looking globally, and so it just wasn't on the agenda. But we've made a correction, and I think it's a really strong and healthy thing to do. So this is an evolution, really, of the richness of the report to include more information that's local in addition to what the State Department's typically looking at, which is uh, foreign issues. And you'll, if you go through the reports over the last decade, you'll see how they get stronger each year. I was in the um, GTIP office, Global Trafficking in Persons office, just last week with members of um, a partner university in Duhok in northern Iraq where we have a project with the Global Center for Women and Justice. And so we met with the people who work on the report in that region, and we're working on ways where we can use university research as a way to get stronger evidence-based um, data for this report. And this really, uh, to me, Sandy, it, it just speaks so strongly to the heart of what it is that you do at Vanguard University and that first thing we talk about, which is study the issues, uh, and then, of course, be a voice and make a difference. But if you don't know the issues first, it's very difficult to um, be a voice and make a difference. And even if you do that, to make sure you're doing it in an appropriate way, because um, as we've talked about before, sometimes very well-intended people um, make choices and, and get into advocacy when they don't really understand what they're doing, and in some cases, do things that might even be harmful to the efforts to end human trafficking. And it's, it's really important, especially from a perspective of international diplomacy. If you go to someone's country and you say, well, there's thousands of your people being trafficked, you need to know why you believe that and on what basis you're making such generalizations. And it's really important for us to have solid evidence-based practices instead of just emotional responses. And in an area like modern-day slavery, we can become very emotional and actually cause some damage in relationships. So we need to make sure that we're doing a really good job of studying the issues before we open our mouths and start to say things. Yeah. And speaking of studying the issues, we've mentioned on a a couple of previous episodes that one of the things that the center does at, at Vanguard is to 
um, hold an annual conference to really help educate people in the community and in the United States and abroad about what are some of the issues, not only around human trafficking, but many of the other issues that I know the center advocates for. Uh, I was wondering maybe uh, in this episode, if you could just spend a moment or two telling us a little bit more about what that conference is about and how that how that would inform people who are really looking for more information on, on some of these areas and specifically with trafficking. Our next conference is March 2nd and 3rd, 2012, and our theme is Women, Education, and Justice. And we feel very strongly that building the bridge to women's equal rights is going to be um, made of blocks of education and empowering women faculty and also male faculty at universities that will change the way that we look at women who may have been marginalized and were more at risk. And you'll read in the in the trafficking in persons reports uh, some of the issues that are around um, women as victims of trafficking. And education is constantly um, one of the issues at at. Um, in the, in the risk evaluation. So we feel like this conference will help us move forward in using our resources and our influence, whatever we have, to help build that bridge to justice for women. If folks are looking for information on either registering or just uh, finding out more information about the logistics of the conference, what's the best way for them to get information about that? Send me an email at gcwj at vanguard.edu and go on our website. I don't think our registration form is up yet, but we're going to get that up real soon. Perfect. Sounds good. And uh, I know next episode, we have actually a a special guest that's going to be joining us. Uh, Could you uh, give us a little preview of what we can expect uh, in two weeks? Oh, you will be excited to meet Maria Suarez, who was a child victim of human trafficking right here in the United States. And so watch for that next time. And uh, until next time, we hope you've enjoyed this episode and an overview of the Trafficking in Persons report by the State Department. If you have feedback for us, remember you can reach us at gcwj at vanguard.edu or your office number, Sandy, which again is 714-556-3610, extension 2242. And until then, we'll see you next time. Thanks, Sandy. Bye.